Hello and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer or MIDI soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. A year of diplomatic relations between the United Arab Emirates and Israel has proven to be mutually beneficial. The question is whether the assumptions underlying the UAE's initiative that led three other Arab countries to also formalize their relations with the Jewish state will prove to be correct in the medium and long term. UAE Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed laid out the strategic assumptions underlying his establishment of diplomatic relations, as well as its timing, in a conversation with Joel Rosenberg, an American-Israeli evangelical author and activist, 18 months before the announcement. Mr. Rosenberg's recounting of that conversation in a just-published book, Enemies and Allies, an unforgettable journey inside the fast-moving and immensely turbulent modern Middle East, constitutes a rare first-hand public account of the Emirati leader thinking. Mr. Rosenberg's reporting on his conversation with Prince Mohammed is largely paraphrased by the author, rather than backed up with quotes. The UA's interest in building good relations with American evangelicals as part of its effort to garner soft power in the United States and project itself as an icon of religious tolerance, and Mr. Rosenberg's willingness to serve that purpose add credibility to the author's disclosures. Mr. Rosenberg's reporting, wittingly or unwittingly, has laid bare the potential longer-term fragility of the relationship that is evident in Prince Mohammed's timing for the UAE's recognition of Israel as well as the assumptions on which the Emirates has argued that relations would contribute to a resolution of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. What emerges is that the UAE and Israel have a geopolitical interest in cooperating to contain Iran and militias in Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, and Yemen that are associated with the Islamic Republic. They also reap economic benefit from the formalization of a relationship that has long existed de facto. When it comes to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, however, the implication is that public support for the relationship could prove to be fickle, even though comment on social media in a country that tightly polices freedom of expression was dominated by supporters of the Emirati government. Prominent Emirati political analyst Abdul Khalek Abdullah described the political public backing as a show of support for the government, rather than a show of support for normalization with Israel as such. Mr. Abdullah was speaking in May, as Israeli warplanes bombarded the Gaza Strip in a conflict sparked by protests in East Jerusalem with Hamas, the Islamist group that governs the territory. He noted that no matter what your nationality, national priorities are at the moment, or regional priorities are at the moment. When stuff like this happens, the Palestinian issue comes back and hits you. It was this sensitivity that persuaded Prince Mohammed that the door would close on establishing diplomatic relations with Israel without a solution to the Palestinian problem if then Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu were to go ahead with his plans to annex parts of the West Bank occupied by Israel during the 1967 Middle East War. 
The only way to stop Netanyahu from grabbing what the Emiratis saw as Palestinian land was to go full godfather and make Bibi an offer he could not refuse, Mr. Rosenberg wrote, referring to Mr. Netanyahu by his nickname. A proposal by the Trump administration that the UAE and other Arab states sign a non-aggression and non-belligerency pact with Israel without establishing diplomatic relations with the Jewish state gave Prince Mohammed the opening to push his plan. Mbizet was open to the idea, but he now realized it would not be enough to pull Netanyahu away from his desire to annex large swaths of the West Bank. The only way to get what he wanted Mbizet recognized was to give Netanyahu what he wanted most, full peace, full recognition, full normalization. But Mbizet would have to move fast. To preempt the Israeli Prime Minister, Mr. Rosenberg summarized, referring to Prince Mohammed by his initials. Quoting then Emirati Minister of State for Foreign Affairs, Anwar Gargash, rather than Prince Mohammed, Mr. Rosenberg regurgitates hopes publicly expressed by Emirati officials that the establishment of diplomatic relations would reinvigorate moribund Israeli-Palestinian peace talks. The establishment of diplomatic relations promised to be a 360-degree success, one that goes beyond trade and investment, Mr. Rosenberg quoted Mr. Gagash as saying. Emirati Economy Minister Abdullah bin Tuk recently said the UAE hoped to boost trade with Israel to $1 trillion over the next decade. Emirati officials were further banking on the fact that strong cultural and people-to-people -people ties, absent in Israel's initial peace treaties with Egypt and Jordan in the 1980s and 1990s, would put flesh on a skeleton of Arab-Israeli relations and ensure that Israel refrains from acts like annexation that would upset the apple card. Mr. Netanyahu's successor, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, has put those hopes to bed. He has unequivocally rejected the notion of an independent Palestinian state alongside Israel, refused to negotiate peace with the Palestinians during his term, and suggested that the improvement of social and economic conditions would satisfy Palestinian aspirations. That could prove to be a risky bet, given a shift to the right in Israeli public opinion, the growing influence of conservative religious segments of society, and the fact that some 600,000 Israelis who populate settlements built on the West Bank and East Jerusalem make a two-state solution de facto impossible. That would leave a one-state solution as the only solution. For that to work, Palestinians would have to buy into Mr. Bennett's approach that is informed by the concept of shrinking the conflict that seeks to marginalize the Palestinian problem, put forward by Mika Goodman, an Israeli academic who cho chose to build a home in a West Bank settlement. 20% of Israelis are on the extremes for either withdrawing from the territories or annexing them, Mr. Goodman says. The remaining 80% who don't want to rule over the territories or relinquish them don't have a way to talk about the conflict, so they just don't think about it, which is the tragedy of the Israeli center. Shrinking the conflict rather than solving it is what Mr. Goodman calls replacing indifference with pragmatism. Mr. Goodman suggests that initiatives 
such as the creation of corridors between, the, between Palestinian enclaves on the West Bank and a border crossing to Jordan, up to the level that the Palestinians feel they are ruling themselves without the capacity to threaten Israel, would tempt Palestinians to buy into his concept. His plan would assure, ensure, in his words, that Palestinians don't get anything like the right of return, a state, or Jerusalem. Prince Mohammed appears, according to Mr. Rosenberg's account of his conversations with the UAE leader and other Emirati officials, to have adopted the approach. MBZ believed that by breaking the mold and making peace with Israel, without giving the Palestinian leadership veto over his freedom of movement, he could open the door for other Arab countries to see the benefits and follow suit, Mr. Rosenberg wrote. Bahrain, Sudan, and Morocco were quick to follow the UAE's example. Some 300 Iraqi tribal and religious leaders, activists, and former military officers called last week for diplomatic relations with Israel in a gathering in the Iraqi Kurdish city of Erbil. Just as we demand that Iraq achieve federalism domestically, we demand that Iraq join the Abraham Accords internationally. We call for full diplomatic relations with Israel and a new policy of mutual development and prosperity, said Wissam al-Hardin, a spokesman for the group and one-time tribal militia leader that was aligned with the United States to fight al-Qaeda in 2005. Mr. Rosenberg noted that as more Arab states normalized relations with Israel, MBZ and his team believed it could create the conditions under which the Palestinians could finally say yes to a comprehensive peace plan of their own with Israel. That may prove to be over-optimistic. Addressing the United Nations General Assembly this week, President Mahmoud Abbas warned that the Palestine Authority would, would withdraw its recognition of Israel and press charges against Israel in the International Criminal Court if Israel did not withdraw in the next year from the West Bank and East Jerusalem and lift the 14-year-long blockade of the Gaza Strip. The assumption underlying Prince Mohammed's hopes that Palestinians, as well as Syria, Jordan, and Lebanon for that matter, creates a false equation between most Arab states and those bordering on Israel or under Israeli occupation. Most Arab states, like the UAE, have existential issues with have no existential issues with Israel that need to be resolved, which makes public opinion the potentially largest constraint on recognition of the Jewish state. There is no doubt that for Palestinians the issue is nothing but existential. The same is true for Jordan, that has historic connections to the West Bank and whose population is more than half of Palestinian descent. Similarly, Lebanon and Syria host large numbers of Palestinian refugees. Syria, moreover, has its own issues with Israel, given the latter's occupation of the Golan Heights since 1967. Improving the social and economic conditions of the Palestinians are unlikely to satisfy their minimal needs or those of Israel's immediate neighbors not to mention what the accelerated prospect of a de facto one-state solution to the Palestinian problem would mean for an Israel confronted with the choice of being a democratic state in which Palestinians could emerge as a majority or a Jewish state that sheds its democratic character and claim to be inclusive towards its citizens.
Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.